Reporting in progress. I'm your host, Miguel Chiafetta, with along with my co-host, Destiny Sarder, and this is Mission Complete Takeover by Color of You. We want to thank you for turning into the show. We invite you to be part of the show um, on www.she'sthebossradio.com. Good evening or afternoon, everyone. Welcome to She's the Boss Radio Network, 24 hours, seven days a week, focused on topics to build, strengthen, inspire, as well as motivate men, women, and youth from the home of the conference room and around our community. So today we have our guest, Tara, and um, I'll let Destiny introduce herself real quick, who's the other co-president of Color of Youth. Um, Destiny, if you want to unmute and quickly say something, or we can move on. Oh, it's okay. Um, Tara, do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? You got to tell um, you have to. Um, yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah. Hi, my name is Tara Rani. I am an actress, writer, and model. Um, I'm currently working on the show Grownish, um, where I play a first generation Indian um student who's pre-med and um I've also been a pretty loud advocate for queer youth and um queer culture and I also write a series of queer short films that sounds so cool um have you always been into acting and that kind of thing or is this something that you've pursued later in life yeah, I've always been really interested in acting um, pretty much since middle school or since elementary school, really. Um, I was always like writing little skits and sketches and performing them. And then I did um, speech in high school, which is where I really kind of came into my my performance bag. Um, I did humorous interpretation and dramatic interpretation. That's great. Um, and I kind of love to get some insight on how you transitioned from you know childhood into being like a model on Vogue or in Grownish um and being kind of a TikTok influencer I guess yeah um so I grew up with immigrant parents um I kind of knew coming out of I knew coming out of high school I wanted to be in film and what I was noticing when I got to college with a lot of students who were studying film was that they didn't necessarily have jobs after college. And I was like, that's not really an option for me. Um, and, you know, I don't, I didn't necessarily have a situation where my parents could like fund my whole life while I go volunteer on a film, you know? Um, I think a lot of people or a lot of people in the industry don't really tell us like the realities of like the financial realities of the industry, so in college, I double majored in film and computer science because I was like, I need to study something where I know I'll always have a job um, and I'll worry about the rest later. Um, so I studied computer science. Um, I worked in tech 
for a couple of years out of college. And then basically was just doing a lot of writing and acting on the side as kind of like a side hustle. And yeah, with like, was just working really hard on the side of my day job, basically. And I was lucky enough to get scouted, to get street scouted in New York as a model, which was really cool. And I feel really lucky. It's, it was like so random. Um, and then kind of made my way up through the agency world. And then with acting, yeah, I'd been producing a lot of my own content, doing a lot of indie films. And one day, honestly, one of my TikTok friends sent me the casting for Grownish. They were looking for a queer young woman um, for their new season. And so I applied and here we are. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, that's crazy how you were just kind of scouted off the side of the road in New York. Um, since you weren't, that wasn't something you were really planning, how did you adjust to that? And kind of what was the process? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you really can't plan for anything. That's a good question. Um, I had transitioned, the same week I got scouted as a model, actually, I transitioned to being essentially like a freelance engineer with my own company um, to give me a little bit more, like, flexible timing because before that I actually worked at Google and so it was like kind of like a nine to five like you have to come in the morning and leave in the end of the day so I couldn't really do other stuff outside of work like modeling where you know you have to come to set at this time and you're there all day um so for me I think like honestly getting that CS degree was probably the best thing I did because it is the type of career where you can work at a big company and work a nine to five, but you can also kind of work on your own terms. Yeah. Um, did you, was there anything else that you wanted to be before you were an actor? I know you mentioned being from an immigrant family. So were you able to pursue your passion for the arts or did you have something else in mind? Yeah, I knew I always wanted to be an actor and writer. I was just always really obsessed with TV. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew I knew the path there was not going to be linear. Yeah. Um, and then you have like a pretty large, significant social media following on TikTok. So was that something that you were kind of, was a goal of yours or did that just happen? Um, spontaneously it kind of happened spontaneously I think like a lot of other people I got on TikTok during the pandemic I think like in 2021 yeah maybe last year um and I was kind of just talking about things that were important to me like culture and feminism and queer issues and then um and then I was like wait this is kind of a cool medium to make art and that's I just started making my short films on there too. Cause I was like, Oh, well, I don't really have like production budget and like it's COVID, but I love making stuff. I love writing stuff. I love shooting things on my phone. And I realized TikTok was kind of the perfect medium where I could like put work out for people to see and like comment and engage in. Um, and that was really, that was really fun. Cause otherwise I think when you're someone who's interested in making films it's like you have to wait a long time between when you write something and when something gets funded to actually make it. So it was really fun to just be able to like write these little scripts and shoot it on my phone with my friends and then put it out into the world. Yeah, I saw some of the um, like things that you wrote on your account 
And it was really cool. I just wanted to hear a bit about kind of like how you chose your um, plot, I guess. And I've also noticed in a lot of the work you do, um, you are very like open about um, being a person of color and being queer. So how does that kind of impact your creative process and the um, kind of roles that you choose to pursue? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess I'll answer the first question first. Um, So in terms of the plot of the series, honestly, I kind of just freestyled it. Um, I had to think about plots that were really simple that I could reasonably shoot on my phone with like no special effects or no special camera, you know, like I think my main priority was like, how do I tell a love story on a budget (laughs) and on my phone? Um, And the plot for anyone who hasn't seen is basically the story follows a young girl, me, um, who kind of falls in love in New York with another woman. And um, they go through a bunch of fun adventures and her parents don't accept her. But then in the end, everybody in the world turns gay after she makes a wish to a magical genie. And then it's all just fun and games after the whole world is gay. Um, So at first it was really just like, I wrote the first episode thinking it would be a standalone thing. And I just was kind of playing around. Um, And I knew I wanted to write kind of just like a fun and cheeky falling in love story. Um, And then I just kept, writing like another episode, another, like the first one got a million views. And then I was like, oh, people really like this. So maybe I should write a follow-up. And then I was like, oh, people like this. Let me write a follow-up. So it was kind of just like improvising as I went along. I think um, you asked a really good question about being queer and being a person of color and like how that influenced my writing. Um, I think all the stuff I write, whether it's on TikTok or my scripts, like my hefty scripts that I have on my computer, Um, I think they're mostly about like queer love stories. I think we don't, they don't, those never get enough screen time. Um, and also I'm a big believer in like radical, um, optimism. Like what does the future look like? Like what does, what does the future look like after we like abolish private property and abolish capitalism and like abolish racism like what does that look like I think that's kind of the world that I like to write in um and as an Indian person I love like magical realism and I love like all the just the crazy stuff that happens in like Indian folk tales um is really inspiring to me it's just like so absurd and so fun and whimsical um so I think in writing this TikTok series it's like I wanted to tell a grounded sort of queer love story, but then that has a twist where it's like, you know, like everybody in the world turns gay, which that's probably not going to happen in real life. But I do see in the future, like at some point we're going to like abolish gender. Like we're not going to be thinking in such binaries. I think, you know, maybe in a hundred years down the road and I'm like, oh, that's like the space that I want to like create in and think about what that world looks like. So that was kind of my inspiration and like, I guess, that twist in that part of the plot. So interesting. Um, You were kind of talking about how, like, what you see for the future. Um, 
how does that kind of like does your performance in like is it impacted by how you want to like make the world in the future yeah definitely i think i think about that a lot as a performer especially like in my role in grownish where i'm playing a queer they see character um i want to like i think it's hard representing the group of course like a lot of artists talk about that where like you want to represent people, you want to represent your people well, but you also want to be like realistic. And in my case, like I also want to be like futuristic. Like I want this character to be aspirational for young queer people and young queer Daisies. Um Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure I've like figured out the answer to that question. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, also I heard you, I mean, obviously you like writing. So do you kind of see a future for yourself where you're writing as well as acting or is acting the main focus right now? Yeah, I definitely um, want to also write my own show and films. Um, I've written a bunch that are kind of just in the Google Drive, but I think I'm focusing on acting first in the professional field while I hone my craft as a writer um and also figure out the best way to like get my writing funded and um it's all very complicated once you're like actually in the industry I'm like oh my god I can't just like make TikToks and get a show greenlit I have to you know do all these bureaucratic things first um so right now I'm really focusing on acting and then writing is definitely kind of like the second priority okay cool so I think we're going into our break but we will be back in just a few minutes. You could listen to one of those other stations, but what would your friends think? You could listen to one of those other stations, but what would your friends think? Hey, I'm Teddy James for Neatly Done Carpet Cleaner. You've probably been home a lot more. Maybe you have kids like me who spill all the time, and you've noticed that your carpet's uh, not looking so good. Why don't you call Neatly Done Carpet Cleaner? They use a dry extraction service, so you won't have wet carpet all day long, and you can get back to doing the things you love with your family immediately. And it's a way to make your room healthier while improving your indoor air quality. You can do tile, slate, granite, ceramic, area rugs, and yes, they're pet-friendly too. Why don't you get a free no-obligation estimate today? NeatlyDoneSanAntonio.com Yeah, that's the sound of today's business community. It's a dog-eat-dog world and only the strong survive. The challenge is navigating the ever-changing business environment to put your business in the forefront. So how does your business keep up with the changes? That's where She's the Boss Network comes in. She's the Boss Network is an internet media network that's been helping businesses like yours get the exposure that you're looking for at reasonable cost by way of radio and video. They'll help you stay successful by navigating change and seeing the big picture. After She's the Boss Network analyzes your business and marketing strategies, you'll start to see a media presence like you've never seen in your business before. And She's the Boss Network doesn't stop there. They use their findings to create a practical plan of action. A plan that will get your business from where you are to where you need to be. There you go. 
lock those dogs up for good by giving She's the Boss Network a call at 866-494-5945, extension 101, or by checking their website at she's the boss radio.com. Again, that's 866-494-5945, extension 101, or she's the boss radio.com. We don't break the laws. We just make up our own. The internet's best choice for music. She's She's the the boss. Boss Radio Network. Welcome back to Mission Complete Takeover by Color of Youth. Um, We are here with Tara to talk about her experiences and her life. I'm going to let Destiny take over now. Hi, Um, this is Destiny. Tara, I'm so excited to be talking to you. I know we talked earlier. Um, and I'm just so excited to be here. Um, and I do have a question for you about something you said earlier, which is, I know you mentioned that you majored in computer science, which is something that I'm really interested in, but how did you decide that was going to be like your, I'm going to put this in ear quotes, like your safe job in case you couldn't immediately get your writing and directing off the ground? Yeah. I mean, at the time I, so I had interned at NBC, um, in college and realized that the whole, like the television industry, like the cable industry was kind of crumbling. Like the 30 rock building itself was kind of crumbling and, you know, Netflix had taken over and Spotify had taken over all of these streaming services that are essentially just tech companies um, had really taken over the marketplace. And so I was like, wait a minute. I can't start my my career in something that's crumbling. Um, and computer science felt like something where I was like, oh, maybe one day I could like work at Netflix as an engineer or work at Spotify. So it kind of felt like it was the middle point between film and TV and, and like a stable job. But also I was seeing a lot of students who were graduating from computer science. Like they all had jobs. Like for me, that was really the priority. And, you know, if... of the students from the computer science department had jobs, but only 10% from the film department, you know, like that, that's how I was thinking about it as that was my priority was like, I need to have a job. Thank you for sharing that. That's so interesting. I love how you kind of, you know, were prioritizing your well-being, um, but not giving up on your passion completely. Um, and before the break, you were talking about how you kind of um, think a lot about having to represent a group and wanting to do a good job about that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that more? Yeah, um, I think representation is it can be a double-edged sword where, um, yeah, on the one hand, because there are often so few of us you know, various minorities in film and TV, we feel like we have this huge burden to be like the perfect representation of our community and our group. Um, and the other side of that is that, of course, no one's going to be a perfect representation of an entire group. Um, you know, unless you're stereotyping an entire group of people, like everyone's experience within a certain community is going to look different. And so, 
Um, you know, even like my character and I, we have such different, we've gone through the world in such a different way, even though like we're both Desi, but we like almost have nothing in common. Um, and so as an actor, it's like, you want to be truthful to your community and you want to represent them well, but you also want to be really truthful. Um, and I think that, sorry, there's some noise in my apartment. Um, I think what it means, like what it means to me to be a good representation is like to just make sure that the writing feels truthful, that if you notice something is off, you know, try and chat with the writers or the showrunner or the director to be like, Hey, you know, this seemed a little off to me, you know, stuff like that. Just having a bit of a, a dialogue as the actor with the team who's writing is good. And then also like, if there's a difference between your character and who like your background to ask people in that community, like, Hey, like, I don't know, my character is doing this on the show. Like, have you ever done that in your community or culture? You know, like just kind of talking to other people and um, within your, like, even though they're within your community, it's like, we've also had different experiences. So like just making sure that you're speaking with other people in your community and like, hearing about what they've been through yeah and oh you can go Destiny. i'm so sorry um you talked about have having acted as a very different character than who you are when you're writing do you think you try to make characters that are much more dynamic than you or not dynamic but different or do you think you tend to have them stick closer to what you know and who you are that's a good question um I think every character that I've written has some relation to me. Um, There's always an element. Yeah. I'm like thinking of like, I mean, I've written so many characters at this point, but I think there's always an element of me or a previous version of myself or something that happened to me that I kind of like extricate from. Um, So yeah, I would say there's always something that's related to me, but, I try not to write characters that are just like me. In terms of representation, I see like on your TikTok and um, like your roles and even like the stuff that you have in Vogue and stuff like that is all um, like showcasing people of color and is all queer. So um, why is it important to you that queer people of color are represented in mainstream media? Yeah, I think um, the industry is changing a lot, the media industry, where we are seeing more representation. But I think what's really challenging is the people at the top haven't really changed um, as much as, you know, we might see a lot of diversity in the actors, but there's not as much diversity when it comes to the writers and the executive producers and the producers and the directors So for me, the reason it's important to create content is because like then like all the people making the decisions, AKA me and my friends are queer people of color. And so that type of content is going to be fundamentally different. I think it's going to be a lot more grounded in our experiences and that makes it feel like we have a little more ownership and agency over it. And I hope obviously to see more diversity be in those higher levels of the industry as time goes on. 
Do you see yourself like one day being in those higher levels? Is that something that you're interested in? Or do you kind of like just being like, or not just being, but being an actor or a writer? Yeah, I definitely, I would really love to direct someday. Um, I'm not sure that I'd want to be like a producer. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I definitely see myself being a director. And obviously you've kind of mentioned this when you thought about what you want for the future of the world and for media or representation in media on a more technical level. But when it comes to actual shows and like their writing, what are some things that you think you would love to see in the future as media continues to change? Yeah, I think, um, I think kind of related to, to the last question we were talking about is um, seeing the writing room diversify where stories feel really grounded in our experiences. Um, it's definitely already happening and, and Grownish I think is a great example of that where the writer's room is really diverse and it shows in the writing um, or in the, in the final product, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think I want to see writing that feels really grounded in unique experiences. Um, that's probably my, main like broad overarching thing but um overall i would like to see more sort of radical optimism like can we use television and media as a means to imagine the future um i think there's a lot of nostalgic content in the world like there's so many period pieces and you know like nostalgia can be good but nostalgia can also be really bad because i think like period pieces really glorify the past and the past for most of us was like not super awesome. Um, I think Bridgerton is a cool example of like shifting that where they were like, okay, yeah, obviously like the 1800s were like not great for most of us, but they made it, they made it super different and almost like (laughs) sci-fi. But yeah, I'd really like to see more sort of futuristic content or more content that can drive um, just like a better, better world. (laughs) I love those ideas. Um, so you obviously have some really like strong opinions and strong ideas of what you want to see in the future. Who or what inspired that and who kind of, you know, yeah, I guess who inspired that or what? Yeah. Um, That's a good question. I think I've always been really inspired by my grandparents um, in India who were freedom fighters and sort of brought about the Indian revolution um, and overthrowing the British rule of India. And they've always been just like really important pillars to me. And I think from a really young age, you know, like talking about revolution from a young age, just (laughs) I think does that. you know, I think a lot of young kids, especially in America, who grow up more privileged, like they don't learn about revolution in a real way. Like it's very, first of all, I think they learn about it later in life, like in high school and college. And like, it still feels kind of at an arm's length distance. So I think to grow up with revolutionaries, like really always set my mind in like, how can we make things better? How can we move forward? How can we like 
get rid of things that are bad. Um, and my parents as well as immigrants, I think, you know, although my parents aren't revolutionaries, um, in the sense of my grandparents, I think something that's really cool about immigrants is like, they seek out a life that they, they can't, they don't know what's on the other side of it. Like they are true, like imagineers and like creators and like they create, they like move across the world without knowing what's on the other side and what their life will look like. And they know it's going to be totally different. And I think in that sense, like my parents really inspired me that they like did that. Like I could never do that. I'm like, I'm just like writing my little scripts. They're like, they like literally moved across the world with no internet, like crazy. So I think um, my family has definitely inspired me to like, just imagine beyond what I can see. That is so cool. Um, and obviously you talked about how you don't know that you could do that, but even though you didn't do something as different as your grandparents and parents did, I really do think that you are an inspiration. So I was wondering, you know, how does it feel to know that you are inspiring others and what do you want people to learn from you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, it's definitely been like really beautifully overwhelming to get such a positive response um, from TikTok and Instagram of like, I just get so many like queer youth who reach out to me all the time and um, both engage in my content, but also like individually reach out to me. And it feels really cool to be like that older sister figure that like I didn't have necessarily like a queer older sibling who can kind of like help guide your thinking. And um, yeah, like it, it's, really like humbling and it feels really important. And I think it's also like when I'm on set or I'm writing, it's like, those are the people that I'm thinking about. And like, those are the people that I'm accountable to. And so for me, that's like very grounding. Um, what was the other part of the question? <laughs> I said, what do you want people to learn from you? Hmm. Mm. I think, um, I think I want people to take away maybe how to find like an inner confidence and how to think outside of the box. And also, I guess like what, like what can they do to make their world and the world like better and like bring, I don't know, how can we, how can we just like, blow up everything and make it better you know <laughs> no i definitely oh, i'm sorry, sorry you, Justin, you can go. definitely go no please go okay thank you um how did you find your inner confidence mm, that's a great question like damn i talked a real big game in the last answer um i think okay well for one definitely just like fake it till you make it like I don't think I really was a confident person until like a year ago. Um, but I would just kind of like pretend to be. And over time, when you like pretend to do something for long enough, you kind of become it. But also I think really like listening to my inner voice and like facing myself, whether it's in my diary or through another means of expression, like really just, um, I think trying to hear myself 
and see myself like fully and just listen to my inner voice instead of listening to anyone else. Um, I think that's how ultimately like I became more confident. Um, how did you, do you think strengthen your inner voice? Because like you said, it is kind of easy to listen to other people and start overthinking anything that you thought might've been a good idea. How did you grow from that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, for me, like books have always really been my, I don't know, my savior or something. I was like a public library kid who grew up into a public library adult. Um, I think like I take a lot of breaks from social media and just spend a lot of time reading to learn new ideas. Like I read a lot of nonfiction about feminism, about our world, about um, like indigenous communities, like just reading about other philosophies of life that maybe I, that I am not a part of, or that I don't know about has really opened my mind to like, think of different ways that I can think and different ways that I can live my life that maybe I didn't learn from my parents or my community. Um, so yeah, I think just like reading and writing in my journal and not being on social media, which sounds crazy as someone who is very much on social media, but just like I take big breaks. Um, and I have a lot of boundaries around social media because I think it, it just like dampens my brain or something. Like I feel like I can't think when I'm like on it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, well, before we go to break, Destiny and I are both huge fans of books. So what do you recommend to us and our audience? Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of the book I just read. It was so long. Okay, we'll skip that one. I'll tell you later. Um, I really like Trick Mirror, which I just read by Gia Tolentino, which is actually a lot about um, the digital age and how it's impacted, especially women and feminism. Um, but it's about, yeah, I guess I would say it's it's really about the digital age and how feminism and capitalism um, have changed because of social media and reality TV and things like that. So I would say if you're interested in media, if you're interested in feminism, if you're interested in social media and the digital age, definitely a great book. Um, I just read a book called To Paradise. That's kind of like a futuristic book. Um, it takes, it's like alternative fiction or, or alternative history. I forget the classification, but it basically takes place in a world where uh, gay people were accepted. Part of the book takes place in the 1800s. Then it takes place in like in the future. And then it takes place like way in the future. It's like three books in one book. And that was like a crazy, I'm still processing the book, but if you're looking for a truly wild alternative history, that's a good book. Um, what else have I read recently? Oh, I wish I could remember the name of that. Oh, duty-free art. Art in the age of digital something. Great. Just finished it. Blew my brains out. It's also kind of about the digital age and um, how like our minds have changed, how the economy has changed. It's about fascism. It's about art. It's about time and space. Um, I'm saying a lot of words and I probably sound like a head ass, but it's a great book. (laughs) 
those all sound so interesting. Um, well, I right before we go to break, so this will have to be a little bit fast, but we can revisit. Um, I've seen some of your art on your TikTok, like the table you made. Can you kind of talk about um, your art and what it means to you just briefly? Yeah, I think, again, I'm just really inspired by my culture. I spend, I spend a lot of time just getting lost in like old Indian architecture and stories. And um, we have a long history of painting and woodwork. Um, so I found a lot of joy in, in both of those things. But yeah, they're, I don't know. I think that's just it. It's just fun. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we are going to break. So we will be back in a few. She's she's the the boss boss radio network beauties in the eye. We complicate things when all along it's just perfect as it is. Beauty is from within. It's how you feel, not as how others see you. Skincare shouldn't be complicated. She's the Boss believes skincare should be nurturing, easy to use, smell delicious, feel refreshing, and look incredible. She's the Boss Cosmetics and Skincare brings you our botanical-based skincare line that's gentle, uncomplicated, and extremely effective for men, women, and youth. Feel confident and radiate a power glow that flows from the inside out. Exude an assurance that extends from the home into the conference room. Visit us at www.she's-the-boss.com or call us at 866-494-5945 to get yours today. We don't break the laws. We just make up our own. The internet's best choice for music. She's She's the Boss. Boss. The radio network. Welcome back to Mission Complete Color of Youth Takeover. I'm your host, Miguel, and I'm with Color of Youth co-president Destiny and guest Tara. So before break, we were talking about how your um, art is largely influenced by your culture. So can you kind of talk about um, that a little bit more? Like, what kind of things do you um, draw from that and kind of your perspective on, you know, using culture as um, kind of a muse for art? Yeah, I think the main thing when I look at a lot of Desi art, and I think this is true across a lot of Asian cultures is there's something really harmonious about the images. Um, Like there's a lot of symmetry. There are a lot of like shapes that are taken from nature, whether it be leaves or sun rays, things like that are very core elements to a lot of Indian design. So there's something about just like looking at those things that it's like everything in my brain locks into place. And I'm like, that is harmonious as fuck. Um, and so I try to like create things that feel like that. Like I love symmetry. Um, and I do a lot of painting of like figures. I, I like to draw 
gay ladies who are very powerful. I draw a lot of, or I paint a lot of women and fire, like women with fire. I've always seen fire as like a really important element, which again, also goes back to a lot of like uh, Hindu mythology and kind of like the elements of the earth. And also I think fire is really beautiful because it's like, it's destruction, but it also like means that you can bring about something new. I also think I have a very fiery personality. I'm really like burn it all down. That's kind of my vibe. (laughs) Obviously. Oh, you're fine. (laughs) Obviously you talk about, you know, how much your connection to culture means when it comes to your art and your life. But I feel like a lot of people struggle to keep a connection with their culture, um, whether it's being judged, like you talked about earlier with your confidence and being afraid of what others will say. How did you keep a connection to your culture without feeling the shame of maybe like Western ideals? Sorry, can you just, can you rephrase the question? Yeah, definitely. Um, how do I, okay. So your culture is really important to you. And mine is also very important to me, but I feel like sometimes it can be hard to embrace because people will judge you or mock you. Mm. And how did you, I don't know if I would say overcome that because, you know, that's something you live with. But. Oh, yeah. Okay, I get, I get what you're saying. Sorry, like, mm-hmm. misunderstood. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, I think being the child of the internet was really valuable. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. I think being a child of the internet was really valuable in that, in this regard, because I was able, even though like where I grew up, there weren't really people like me, but because of the internet, I knew there were, they were out there somewhere. And I've been able to really cultivate a community both online and in person now in New York, um, of other people who, don't necessarily even look like me, but just, we have similar values and we're interested in, in, um, similar things. So I think, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm like, I feel like the internet really like helped me not be afraid because I knew I could like express myself and find other people who were interested, um, in my like life at school. I mean, definitely more challenging, I would say where I think I, hid my culture more and just was like, let's just get through the day. Like, let's not ruffle any feathers. Let's not make ourselves too loud. Like, let's just power through. And then soon I will be out of this godforsaken town. That was kind of my vibe. (laughs) Definitely. Um, You mentioned how important social media was when you were coming of age. And how do you think that social media, when you're growing up, impacted you? Like, how do you, like, how did you discover what ultimately helped you become who you are? If Mm. that's not too big of a question. No, I think that's a really good question. I was always really, really inspired by fashion, film, and television because I could see forms of expression and different kinds of people that were that were different than the types of people I grew up with. We're all kind of the same, um, not to stereotype them, but you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, I think those things helped me imagine like, okay, there's something outside of my town for me. Like 
I can't get it here. And again, I'm just going to power through, you know, till I'm 18 and I can leave. Um, yeah, I think, I think fashion was really cool because it kind of like, it aesthetically breaks your conception of like what's normal and what's viable. Um, like you might not think that consciously when you're looking at like a crazy ass outfit on the runway, but I think subconsciously seeing different aesthetics, it just makes you believe like, Oh, there's something, there's something possible that's beyond like what I can see in front of me. Um, so I think fashion was probably the most important thing for me growing up in terms of like what I was seeing in the media and social media. I would say on the other hand, something that really was detrimental for me was seeing like all the girls in my town going out together. And it's like, you know, these are all white groups of people where it's like, oh, I will never be like them. I'm never going to get that invite. But I think the dichotomy of that is what made me powerful because I was like, you know what? I don't need to go to the Cheesecake Factory with you, Stacy. I am going to be in Vogue someday. <laughs> and that's what I care about. That's really cool. Um, so to wrap it up, I just wanted to ask you, our audience is pretty much completely youth at the color of youth. So um, obviously a lot of them are probably seeing you as a role model. So what advice do you have about living as an unapologetically queer person of color? Um, okay. I would first say always prioritize your safety and security. Um I think there's a lot of pressure to come out. There's a lot of pressure to be unapologetically gay and loud. And I think first and foremost, like I hope that people take their security and safety first. Um, I know it's not always the best option to come out. It's not always the best to be out and proud. So I think definitely take your time and like just make sure that you have somewhere to sleep at night first. And Secondly, I would say if you do, if you do feel secure and you feel safe and financially secure that definitely find your community, find your people that are going to support you emotionally. Um, Growing up is like really hard. Like I'm still growing up and it's really hard. (laughs) Um, And the thing that holds me down is my relationships with, with other queer folks and, um, and other artists and people who are interested in having like strong relationships. Thank you so much for joining us, Tara. I think that's all the time we have for today. Um, But it's been great speaking to you and thank you so much. Thank you. You guys are really awesome and I'm really excited. And this is like a great resource that I wish I had. So (laughs) I'm really glad to hear that. That means a lot. Okay. Bye everyone. Thank you so much. And we will see you next episode. Sounds good. Have a good day.